Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Okay, this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we're starting a new series and it's on spiritual gifts. And we've been talking about doing this for a little while. And uh, the sun, this Sunday is the first Sunday that we're starting. And then we'll run right through to the week previous to the uh, church weekend. And then the church weekend, we will, in a sense, unpack uh, some of the gifts that you have uh, within the church. So that's going to be good to look forward to. Uh, this morning, just for your, just so you know, is mainly teaching. And uh, if you do take notes, take notes. I'll be quoting a number of verses and scriptures. And uh, if you haven't got a piece of paper and a pen, then please listen to the podcast because you'll need to go back over it and think it through and apply it uh, to your life. Okay, so we're going to read, first of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we'll just read, we could read the whole chapter, really, but we'll read uh, the first 11 uh, verses. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And God will bless uh, the reading of his word. Now the topic we are looking at uh, these next few weeks has been described depending on your background, your family, your church, where you've come from, your culture, as being many, many words would describe what people have taught when they've spoken about the spiritual gifts. Some have said they're divisive. Some have said they're intimidating. Some have said they're exhilarating. Some have said that they're exciting, irrelevant, disruptive, alienating, game-changing, maybe even scary. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you're sitting thinking, spiritual gifts, what does that mean? And I've had some teaching and spiritual gifts, and you, you think, oh, no, what's, what's this all going to be? We could actually take about a year <laughs> of our church life looking at spiritual gifts. Uh, Twelve months would, would not uh, be too long when you look into the study of spiritual gifts. But before we leave for the Far East, I have two Sundays, uh, that, uh, and I want to go through what uh, sort of lay a foundation for the rest of the guys who are going to be looking at spiritual gifts. I uh, just want to mention the Far East, actually. Can I just say, 
If you want to uh, financially partner with us, invest in what we're doing when we go to Kuala Lumpur and into India, then uh, please do. It would be wonderful for you to partner financially to see the gospel taken, to see leaders being uh, taught, to seeing Russell and the children, whatever it is we do over there. If you want to do that and you want to invest something, that would be brilliant. Okay, just that's as an aside. But the next two Sundays, I'm going to be looking at spiritual gifts and then then the next few weeks, the guys are going to be looking at spiritual gifts, and then I'll finish off just before we go for the church weekend. Now, I want to take just a few things for granted, okay, before I, I start this uh, this morning. And uh, if you don't agree with some things that I'm taking as sort of red, if you like, then come and see me afterwards or see me during the week, that's fine. But I want, I want to make some assumptions so we don't get uh, bogged down in, in the very nitty-gritty, okay? Spiritual, <laughs> spiritual gifts are, believe it or not, from God, okay? Uh, some people would <laughs> question that sometimes. Spiritual gifts are from God. Spiritual gifts are given to us as believers, okay? All of us Christians have at least one spiritual gift each, Okay? So I'm taking that as, as being read, okay? And uh, lastly, spiritual gifts are relevant and active today, okay? So if you don't agree with any one of those four things, that's fine. Just come and speak to me afterwards and you can put me right. But I'm basing what I'm saying on those uh, four things. And uh, so let me just uh, list some of the gifts, Maybe you think, what, what, are, what are these spiritual gifts? Well, most people would accept there's around mid-20s, 25 or so spiritual gifts, based on Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and one or two miscellaneous passages. Uh, for instance, with celibacy, it's Matthew 19, verses 9 to 12. With hospitality, it's 1 Peter 4, verse 9 and 10. For martyrdom, it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. For being a missionary, a gift of being a missionary, Ephesians 3, verses 6 to 8. And the gift of being voluntary in poverty is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. But the other gifts, um, being administration, apostle, discernment, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, knowledge, prophecy, uh, teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, leadership, martyrdom, mercy, miracles, uh, pastor, and wisdom, you'll find in these other chapters that I mentioned before. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians 4. Okay, told you I was going to quote a lot of verses, uh, but there they are. I'll also lay something down here, and you may want to take issue with me later, that's fine. Um, I want to say in passing, though, although everyone has got one spiritual gift, I believe that all of us can, at some point, operate on most of the gifts. Okay. You got that? If you're married, 
then you can't operate in the gift of being celibate, okay? So that's why I said most of the gifts. But I believe at some point, given a need, given a situation, that God can so use you you, that you operate and minister a gift that you don't actually have, okay? So we can have at least one spiritual gift, but there's times when we can operate over a number of gifts. For instance, you may not have the ministry of healing, but one day you pray for somebody and they're healed. You've used a spiritual gift. You might not have the spiritual gift of giving, but God leads you on some occasions to give outrageously, over and above and beyond that other people would think is, is the norm. And so God looks to you and shows you how to use a gift of giving. Hope you've got that. So over the next couple of weeks or a few weeks, we're going to look at a number of these gifts. And then when we go away, as I say, the church weekend, we're going to loose the gifts <laughs> on the church and at the weekend. And that's going to be exciting because you're going to discover in you that you had something that God had placed and you didn't even realize You might find that scary, you might find that intimidating, you might find that exciting, but it's going to be good. Coming from a brethren background, as as God released me into things of the Spirit, when when I say words like intimidating, scary, and so forth, I, I identify with those words, okay? So if you're sitting here this morning thinking the church weekend, now I thought it was going to be good, now it's going to be awful, I understand that. Don't worry, but it's not going to be intimidating. We'll make sure it's not. A few things to say, and then we're going to begin. God is the giver. He decides what gifts to give each one of us. 1 Corinthians 12, we read it 4 to 5. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Secondly, he gives to us to enable us to fulfill our destiny and to bless other brothers and sisters. 1 Peter 4, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Spiritual gifts are not your earthly skills. Okay, spiritual gifts are not your earthly skills. They come from up above to you as a Christian. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from above, James 1 verse 17. So when they come down, how do they come down? They come down when you have entered into a vibrant relationship with Jesus and you have asked him into your life. We call it being born again. When you accepted Christ into your life, into your heart, whatever way you want to put it, you know if it happened or not, that's when at least one spiritual gift arrived. That's when you began a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say a few things about the Holy Spirit, because if you don't get the Holy Spirit, you'll not get spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not a feeling. It's not a tingle up your back. 
It's not a feeling you get during a nice worship song. The Holy Spirit is God, has always been God, will always be God, part of the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus returned to heaven, as he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended and arrived at exactly the right day, the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, John 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father, the Father God, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Greek word is parakletos. That means helper, attorney, advocate. So Christ is our advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is our advocate on earth. He has been given to every single believer to assist us, to guide us, John 16 verse 3, to assure us of our salvation, Romans 8 verse 16, to give us power to witness, Acts 1 verse 8, to help us pray, Romans 8 verse 26, to bear fruit, Galatians 5 verses 22 to 23, to do great works, John 14 verse 12. Before you ever became a Christian, The Holy Spirit was speaking to you. I wonder if you know that. Before you ever became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was convicting you of your sin. That's how you, in a sense, came across the Holy Spirit. Because at some age, you began to be convicted about what was wrong inside. He convicts us, but he doesn't uh, condemn us. So as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is still active, obviously, in your life and still convicts us. Maybe you've been convicted about something. Everybody, hopefully, has been convicted about something this week. Holy Spirit nudge, a wink, a nod. Mm-mm. Shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't be going there. Shouldn't be saying this. That's your Holy Spirit in your life. Not to condemn you. The enemy condemns you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. So the question you may ask, do I have the Holy Spirit? Maybe that's your question this morning. If you're a Christian, yes. That's the good news. You have the Holy Spirit. And you got the Holy Spirit at conversion. John 3, verse 5 to 6. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Romans 8, verse 9, verses 14 to 16. If anyone doesn't have the Spirit, he is not his. Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. When you became a Christian, you got the Spirit of God. But the Bible also teaches something else. And something else is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As you were baptized in water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said said to the disciples. So at Pentecost, when Pentecost came, that's what happened. There was a loud noise, there was a sound, it was a bit like a Sunday morning. And (laughs) there was a roll of thunder, a mighty wind... 
And they all spoke in tongues, and as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me ask you some questions just as tenderly as I can. Are you a Christian? Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Second question. Have you ever had an experience, whatever anybody called it, have you ever had an experience of the Holy Spirit? Maybe it convinced you that Jesus was within you. Maybe you just felt loved and appreciated. Maybe you just felt absolutely overjoyed. You just knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon you. Third question. Are you living each day committed to and dependent on the Holy Spirit? Are you living each day committed to and dependent on the Holy Spirit? You see, in Ephesians, Paul commanded the Ephesian believers to be filled with the Spirit. He commanded them to be filled with the Spirit. But what's interesting is, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, even though they have been saved by the grace of God, Ephesians 5, verse 18, even though they've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, even though they've been positioned in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, even though they've become his workmanship in Ephesians 2, verse 10, even though they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen before, before the foundations of the world, predestined to be adopted by sons, by, sorry, to be adopted by Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 5, yet in Ephesians 5, at the end of the book, he commands them, and he commands me and you, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be intoxicated with wine. In a sense, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when you see somebody who's drunk, I mean physically drunk with alcohol, too much sherry, you know, and you <laughs> somebody's giving me a nod here. <laughs> too much wine, too much. Uh, yeah, you've seen them, haven't you? It wasn't you. I know it wasn't you. But you've seen somebody who's been drunk. They do absolutely crazy things, don't they? Suddenly, their whole personality changes. They become just another person. And you think, I never would have believed it. Who would have guessed? Paul says, don't have that drunkenness. Have another drunkenness. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God because it will change you. You'll act in a way people will never have believed. Who would have believed it of them? And so I know people who, when they've been filled with the Spirit, have done outrageous things. I'm not talking about immoral things. I'm talking about crazy things. You'd never expect it of them. That's because the Holy Spirit's come within them and changed them. Okay? They've just had one too many. Spiritually, if you, if you like. Okay? And so they, so they just act in a way you would never have guessed. And so sometimes you'll read reports about people doing things when the Holy Spirit moves in a church and so forth. And sometimes that is crazy and everything else. But sometimes I just think, well, what do drunk people do up Preston on a Friday night or a Saturday night? They do some crazy things. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which the church loves. 
Oh, yes, don't get drunk with wine. Oh, no, 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 don't get drunk with wine. But be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you were intoxicated by the Holy Spirit? You get what I'm saying? If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, God answers. He will literally baptize you, fill you, I don't care what word you say, with the Holy Spirit. If that has never, ever happened to you, that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a second-class person. It just means it's never happened to you. But it can. It can happen to you. Privately, publicly, with a group, with a small group, with another person, all sorts of different situations, in a meeting, all sorts of different situations, as God sees fit. I know a pastor who, he went to a conference, and it was on the baptism of the Spirit. He had, he, he actually theologically didn't believe that, God, that, that the Holy Spirit, the, sorry, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so now, and, and because that was the way his mind was wired, that was what his theological belief was. He went to this conference, God was doing all sorts of different things around the room. All sorts of things were happening. He, he, he was amazed. He wasn't, he wasn't critical, but nothing happened to him. He traveled 60 miles home. When he got home, his uh, wife was in bed. All the lights were off. He went to his bathroom. He got ready for bed. He got into bed. He thought, oh, that was, that was a good conference. Suddenly... Like it did in the Acts of the Apostles. Suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon him, lying on his bed. He was laughing, he was giggling, <laughs> and just God was moving on this man. It's almost as though God says, I know your theological belief, I know I respect that, I know that you're a private person, I know you don't want anything to happen in public, so let's just get home. Let's just get into bed. Let's get your wife asleep. And then suddenly, whack, God moved on him. And he suddenly realized that perhaps as theologians, we don't know everything. So the Holy Spirit comes, but the Holy Spirit comes with gifts. He's like a perfect house guest. He doesn't bring chocolates, he doesn't bring wine, but he brings at least one gift to each of us. And he arrives, like some of Tanya's friends, ready to occupy the house. There's... We had eight of them in our, in our house last night. And I, I said to Susan, I don't know what the neighbor thinks. He sees all these uh, single cars turning up, the eight cars in the drive and all single gills coming in. And I said, I don't know what the neighbor thinks of this. <laughs> it's like Jack's running some harlot there. <laughs> he brings gifts. He brings gifts to the house and he's ready to occupy the house. He arrives to be boss. Okay, so having said all of that, who's got the best gifts? Question. Who's got the best gifts? Answer, we all have. They're all the best gifts. So let's look at one or two gifts. This morning we'll look at one. I've chosen a controversial one. 
Pete and Susan and Tom decided that I'd look at the controversial gifts. It was such a blessing to be told that. And that gift is tongues. What is the what is the gift of have you ever thought of that? What is this gift of tongues? What's this all about? Because it says in Acts two verse four, doesn't it? They began to speak with other tongues. Tongues in the Greek means glossa, G L O S S A, which simply means a language. So when all the dev- in Acts, so when all the devout Jews had arrived from every nation that was around there. When the apostles, when the disciples began to speak in tongues, it caused an absolute uproar. Acts 2, verses 7, 6 to 11. Luke mentions in Acts, in that chapter in Acts, about a dozen locations people had come from where they would speak different languages, different dialects. And the tongues came so that every single one of them, at the day of Pentecost, heard the gospel in their own language. Just imagine that. You went to a foreign nation. And they speak it. And, someone's, and this happened in a meeting actually. Where this uh, person who didn't believe in Jesus. And uh, I remember the story. They were sitting where Susan's sitting just now. And uh, everybody was worshipping. And the person next to them was talking away in tongues. As many people in the, in the, in the congregation were. And all this person heard in their tongue, in their language, was, Oh God, have mercy in this man's soul. Oh God, speak to him tonight so that he might hear your word, that, you might, that he might believe in you. And he was hearing this in his own language. And he's thinking, this is a bit rude. <laughs> and then when he realized, when he had entered into conversation at the end of the meeting, he realized this person didn't speak a word of his language. But God was filling the man's language so that he heard the gospel right where he was, right where he was physically and right where he was spiritually. And that's what happened at Pentecost. The Spirit gave them utterance. And often I think Christians have struggled with the gift of tongues or struggled talking about the gift of tongues or struggled appreciating the gift of tongues because the tongue is such a weapon in our own mouth. And so the enemy uses the gift of tongues almost to cause confusion and the divisiveness and, and everything else. We've struggled with the spiritual gift of tongues the same way we've struggled with our own tongue. We've done so many things as human beings. We've invented the impossible. We've brought into line the world that we live in. We've gone to the moon. We've sent rockets to Mars. But we cannot restrain or constrain our own tongue. So the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is combined to bring a message from God to a person or a group of people, bypassing what our own tongue is saying or has said or would normally say. That is the gift of tongues. And the interpretation of tongues is someone who interprets what this public announcement, pronouncement of tongues is. Is that, is that understandable? Yeah? Okay, well, we're here so far. So let me confuse you just a little bit more. <laughs> There's two different types of tongues. Okay? Tongues can happen, can occur in two different settings. One is public, just as I described. 
Somebody gets up and gives a tongue. Somebody else stands up and says the interpretation of the tongue. So one is public. The second is private. Why private? Well, the second is private because it's a private prayer language. It's your own private tongue. You don't have the ministry, the public ministry of tongues, but you have your own tongue. Okay? You speak in tongues. Have you ever wondered, what should I pray about this? What on earth would I pray? What's the right way, Lord? If I say this to you, then that's not good. If I say this, then that's not good. Have you ever just lacked the wisdom and to know what to pray? You just don't know what's for best. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to decide. You don't know where to go. You just don't know where you are. Have you ever run out of words to describe how beautiful Jesus is? You're talking to him and you're just so filled with his spirit. You just, you can't describe your relationship with him, how you love him, how you adore him, how precious he is. When you think of Calvary and all that he's done, when I survey the wondrous cross, you come to the end of your own words. Ever been there? Tongues as a prayer language is for the benefit of you personally. The gift of tongues spoken public is for the benefit of the hearers. But for you personally, it's a prayer language where your spirit speaks to his spirit. Total. No no humanity in the middle. Jesus said in Mark 16, verses 17 to 18, These signs shall follow them. They will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues. So tongues is a prayer language that has many benefits. It bypasses my humanity and my flesh and the filters I've got in place, and it's my spirit speaking to God's spirit. Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. We know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered. And he he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit according to the will of God. Okay, you with me? Still with me? Okay. And the good news when you do that is Satan can't understand a word you're saying. And often you don't either. (laughs) But there's a communication with God going on, which is precious. And we've switched from our English, our human language, using our intellect, to our spiritual language, which the Holy Spirit has given us. Do all Christians speak in tongues? No. Can all Christians speak in tongues? Yes. (laughs) Okay? Do all Christians speak in tongues? No. Could all Christians speak in tongues? I believe yes. Paul said, I wish that you'd all speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5. 
And people who are averse to tongues would say, yeah, hang on a minute. But he says there, he wishes more that you'd all prophesy, and that's true. So he's wishing that we'd all prophesy, and he's wishing that we'd all speak in tongues. Just about every Christian I know who speaks in tongues has had a different experience of how that came about. People I've spoken to, a different experience of how it happened, where it happened, and when it happened, yeah. So whatever your experience is or was, you are not unusual. You're not second class. You are unique. You are unique. And often I think the enemy uses fear when we speak about those, these things, spiritual gifts, tongues, filling with the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, and you feel this going on. That's not God's Holy Spirit in your life. That's just the enemy bringing up some fears and problems and say, oh, I, I, I remember that person. Oh, they were, we said they were filled with spirit. Oh, you must be joking. Don't let anybody else's experience, anyone else's uh, peculiarities put you off from seeking a fresh filling of God's spirit in your life. Nutters are nutters. <laughs> okay? Idiots are idiots. Immature people are immature people. Whether you're in the church, <clears throat> whether you're in politics, whether you're in football, <clears throat> the hospital, work, whatever you are, people are people. But Paul commands us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. For some people, speaking in tongues came when they were saved. For some, it came when they were baptized in water. For some, it was when they were filled or baptized with the Spirit on a different occasion from their salvation. For some, it was in public. For some, it was in private. For some, it was when they were young. For some, when it was old. For some, it was when they were praying. For some, it was when they were singing. For some, they got a flow of language. For some, they got a phrase. For some, they got a word. For others, they got a few words. It does not matter. The main thing is you're seeking God. You're seeking to honor Him. You're seeking to be in communication with Him. So if you got one word in tongues, that doesn't matter. You got one word when you were a little girl, a little boy. It wasn't, you're embarrassing me. You don't see any of the children running around saying, oh, you're embarrassing me. You know, it's mama, da, dada, usually daddy, <laughs> mama, daddy, whatever it is. And then they get more proficient. The Holy Spirit helps us as we prayed. He, he prays. He assists us. Matthew 26, verse 41, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He informs us. We don't know what to pray, but he does. He intercedes for us. He knows the mind of Christ. And he uses our mouths to pray on earth what he has heard in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? You ever wonder if you pray in the right prayers? He gives us truth to confess. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 tells us 
edifies us. He protects us. Paul says to the Ephesians, pray always in the Spirit. Now, before we sum up about the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, like many of the gifts of the Spirit, tongues has been abused. Abused by some who have used the gift for their own ends. Used by some to promote how spiritually, spiritual they are. Some to promote their own dogma. Some to promote their own ministry. Some to promote themselves. Well, that happens with people, whether it's tongues or not. <laughs> people do all these sort of things. And because they've done that with tongues, it's brought the word of God and his reputation into disrepute. None of the spiritual gifts should be used for our own advantage. Each of the gifts of the, are for the body of Christ. And tongues is certainly not a badge to show how spiritual you are. Paul says it's the least of the gifts. Why did he say that? Because often it's the spectacular that we go after. Nobody wants to serve. Some people want to serve. If you've got the gift of serving, you you want to serve. But often we want to look for something that's going to show just how spiritual I am. Paul says, don't waste your time. The gift is about the giver, not the receiver. The gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. They're not a reward for years of service. Not a badge. They are without repentance. Romans 11 verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does that mean? Well, just think to the bad experiences you have had with people who speak in tongues. Or who do this or who do that. Or try and show you how spiritual they are. You say, how can, how, I don't understand. How can they, how can they heal the sick and have a private life as they have? How can that happen? What's God playing at? How can they speak in tongues one minute, blessing God, and the next minute they're cursing their neighbor? How, how does that work? How does that happen? That's your verse. In Romans, Romans 11, verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does that mean is, once God has given you a gift, he'll never ever take it back from you. Isn't that wonderful with salvation? You receive the gift of salvation. He'll never, ever take it away from you. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't that give you security? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's why you see people who are gifted doing silly things. Just because your mother or father gave you a different gift from your sister or brother doesn't mean they love you more. Just because you're badly behaved doesn't mean that you're no longer their son or their daughter. They are there for you through thick and thin. How can we benefit from the gift of tongues? In times of crisis or in times of fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit can help you bypass your troubles, your problems, your situation, and speak, as I've said, spirit to spirit. How can I know if I've got the gift of tongues? 
how can I know? How can I know whether we've got the public gift of tongues or the interpretation of tongues? Well, come to the weekend. And we'll show you. How can I have the private gift of tongues? The answer to that is easy. Ask God to fill your tongue, to fill your mouth, to pray, to ask God to fill your mouth and speak through you. Or maybe you want to ask someone to speak, or sorry, to to pray with you about getting the gift of tongues. Don't let your flesh get in the way. Don't let your intellect get in the way. Don't let your pride get in the way. The Spirit, Acts 2 verse 4 says, will give you utterance. And very often, the last part of our humanity to be controlled is our tongue. It's, the Bible says it's like a fire. It starts fires. And at Pentecost, God sent tongues of fire to sit upon them. They spoke with a heavenly language, proving that he had control. It wasn't for entertainment. It was for empowerment. Okay. Acts 1 verse 8. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power for what? Power to live the supernatural Christian life. Power to use your gifts. Power to minister your gift. Power, lastly, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You a bit more enlightened with the spiritual gifts of tongues? Yeah? Is there all sorts of questions? You think, yeah, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? Well, grab somebody. Grab one of the vision team. Grab them and say, yeah, but what about this for me? What about that? What, do you, does he mean this? Does he mean that? Or if you want to write down a question, send it to me. Email it to me, jackatthefreedomcenter.com. I'll get Susan to answer it. <laughs> that's a, jo- that's a joke. <laughs> Any question. If it's going to help you grow in your Christian life, that's what we're here for. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry. We apologize for not giving you complete control over our lives, our church, our careers, our time, our marriages, our money, our ambition, our goals, our visions, our gifts. Lord, we offer ourselves completely to you this morning. Holy, completely. Shower us, Lord, with your gifts. Shower us, Lord, with your gifts. Reveal and release your gifts to us. Dig up that gift, Lord, that's within us. Fan it into flame, Lord God. Start a revival in my life, in our lives. Lord, we give you the right to mess up our intellect, to mess up our theological stance, to mess up our lives. For your glory, for your glory, not for our glory, for your glory, for Jesus' sake, for the glory of God's sake, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.
For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.